0: Yeah, The devil's in the details. Urena, how are you doing today?
1: Um, you know, up bright and early. <laughs> and I normally don't get up this early unless I'm hunting down the children. So, this is this is special right now.
0: I I can imagine. Well, have you been um Have you been actually uh, reading or or watching anything uh, horror-related in addition to trying to chase those children down and getting your exercise in?
1: Well, no, I haven't, honestly, been reading anything other than I have been reading, which I do recommend to everybody, Supernatural, The Rising Sun. It's a six-bit comic series. Not really. It's something that was written probably close to eight years ago or so, so it's not anything you can Really easily find for some reason, but it's a really good series and definitely has some good spooks in it. So, you know, comic books, definitely going to be spookier than the show.
0: Yeah, well, they can get by with a lot more. I mean, that's kind of something we discussed on uh, Chaos, you know, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, about the fact that they can, the budget, you know, is, is way more, at least on paper just because they can do whatever they want and they don't have to worry about, you know, actually filming it or anything like that. So it makes it, you actually get some better stories that way than what they can film, on, especially on some of these lower-tier networks.
1: Oh, absolutely. What about yourself? What have you been into?
0: I've mainly been studying a lot of, or watching a a bunch of Stephen King movies, uh, Dead Zone, uh, didn't get to see Cujo, but I watched uh, Dark Half, And, of course, I read the novel, Needful Things, to prepare for the discussion that we're going to be having, you know, today. Uh, But I think with that, since I've already mentioned it, uh, let's just cue the music. Welcome back to Death Holler. I'm your host, the Reverend Dr. Death, and joining me as always is my co-host and proprietor of a cursed toy store, La Urena. How's that uh, toy store doing for you, Urena?
1: You know, unfortunately, it's bringing in more adults than it is children, and I do not appreciate it.
0: Yeah, you're trying to get those souls, but you don't want the adults, right? It's kind of, you're just, (laughs) (laughs) they're messing up your plan.
1: The happier souls feel so much better than the ones that are deprived and need some, uh, you know, love and attention, and I just don't have that kind of energy.
0: I don't think anybody has that kind of energy. But speaking of which, we, we returned to our discussion of the devil in this episode after taking a break uh, to have some fun with the comedy movies the last episode. And we're featuring a classic Stephen King story about a store that will sell you anything you desire. And the price? Uh, only what you can afford. And your soul. Mm. Mostly your soul. Um, That's right, we're discussing the 1993 film Needful Things. uh, But first up, uh, we have a few newer films we wanted to give our thoughts on. And, uh, Urena, how about you start us off with our first film, The Forever Purge. What what are your thoughts on that one?
1: You know, this movie related... I I related to this movie a lot as a Latina. Uh, (laughs) It's very interesting to see. Now, are we probably should have discussed this before we hopped on, but are we going to be giving away any spoilers at all? Mm, Like, the end?
0: I I think
1: it's too new.
0: I think it's too new. Yeah, we can kind of skip spoiling that, I think, let people enjoy it.
1: Uh, I wanted to say one specific thing about the film that people will notice, and it really doesn't show up till maybe midway through the film when all the chaos is occurring, but when you... there's At one point, you see they are trying to escape... And you're wondering how they find people in it. You kind of hear it at the beginning, and then you hear it again in the middle. They say, look for the signs. Now, that might be more of a immigrant-type thing, but that is a religious and cultural thing that Hispanic people do put up signs. It's more for not signs of meet me here and blah, 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 or this is how we're going to escape, or this is how we're going to get past the border. Yeah, I'm sure some people might. But it's more for religious terms. So in the movie, when I saw, you see this this Hispanic couple that just managed to find each other no matter how much chaos they get through, and they looked for the signs. That is a real thing. So I was like, okay, that's pretty cool to have used that in such. A, if you think about it, in this chaotic times.
0: That's good. To, that's good to know. I mean, I just I saw that and I'm like, I don't know if this is a real thing, but you know, I, we'll go with it for the movie's sake.
1: For the movie's sake, especially. And yes, I don't know how well that would work. You have to be one calm motherfucker and have some faith in the sweet Lord above that those signs are legit. And how do you know who they're from? You know?
0: Well, I guess they. I mean, if you go by the the and and this is a minor spoiler that I don't think is going to you know affect anything for anybody. There is a political bent to the movie, and I and I just wonder if maybe they the political message they were sending is that the 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 gringos uh, didn't care enough about you know what what was going on you know in those murals and everything else that had the the signs you were talking about to to even give a shit. You know, they, I mean, yeah,
1: <laughs> I really don't think that. Like, I feel like my husband, who is a gringo, <laughs> I feel like he would see that and he'd be like, eh, bullshit. Like, he wouldn't think twice about it. So I think it would work if, if it were to be used like that. The political twist, I'm going to say that in that situation, I think that most Latinos would save their own. And I'm not just saying Latinos. It would be, you know, the family Race would, really wouldn't be an issue, but anybody else outside didn't matter the color of your skin. They'd be like, nope, fuck you.
0: <laughs>
1: Sorry, <laughs> I'm out. So the fact that the I feel like in the movie, like it was everyone kind of helping everyone that wanted to escape. Uh, it worked when I guess there was two people, particularly in the film, you know, the two kind of main characters, if you will, that were helping each other. And that is how it is. Because they kind of saw each other's family, and also they there was a benefit to them helping each other and working together. So, okay.
0: yeah, you're talking about the two male leads, correct?
1: Yes, the two okay. male leads. So, yeah, that worked for the film. Look, it. I'm gonna say it, the kids and I really enjoyed it. Wasn't very scary though, and I don't know if that's what you got from the film.
0: Oh no, I, I and I don't know that I've ever been scared by a purge film anyways. I mainly really? go to, Yeah, they they mainly to me are I don't know this weird... I mean, they kind of play on the slasher, you know, gore thing, you know, the chaos and everything, because that's... I mean, a lot of people can argue what they want to about slasher films, but you're going to watch the teenagers get murdered. I mean, it's bad, but you really are in a lot of cases. And the Purge films, to me, are more about the chaos. I mean, you're going there for the you know, fun of, like, let's see how crazy this can get, you know, more than... Or at least for me, more than, like, you know, any kind of scares, because even starting with the first Purge... I never got. I mean, like even when the concept was brand new, it's just like okay, you know. I mean, this is kind of like another version of the strangers, you know the you know where the people just randomly show up in the house and and then they're killing or whatever. I mean, it, it didn't really the purge um, anarchy kind of amped everything up, and that got it to the level of like okay, now I know what we're going with here. It's just pure chaos. Let's see what how crazy this shit can get, you know, type movie.
1: Yeah, uh, one thing that was. Funny to me, and I really felt was real to how, because let's be honest, it was white people and Mexicans, okay? <laughs> you can't say it any other way. It was white people, Mexicans, that's it. There was one person of color, color, AKA a black person <laughs> in the film, and he was gone faster than any. It was like, I felt like they just added him just so they could say, well, did you see that one African American feller?
0: It, well, I mean, not to be you know crude about it, but he was token. I mean, literally in the he film. He was token, he but was, you know
1: what? I feel like he would have been useful in the film. His acting, honestly, in my opinion, he did really well.
0: He, he was. He was great for what short amount of time they had. And and I kept wondering, I was like, okay. And even my wife turned to me and asked, like, what happened with this guy? And I'm like, I don't know, because the last thing we heard was that he was going to go rescue his family. And you never see him again. Now they could ever, always, ever. I mean, they could always spin that off and give him his own, you know, movie after the fact. But yeah, <laughs>
1: but I would I mean, probably watch it because I liked him enough as a character. And you know me, I, I that's it. I don't care so much about the color, but I was like. That guy could have been so fucking useful. So you're telling me you got these two main leads. You got the brown and the white. Okay. And, they're okay going and finding each other's family and helping each other out, but you're not gonna go help this guy out. And I'm not turning this into a race war by any means, but he was a good character. <laughs> like, I was well,
0: like, now, now to give him credit, I mean, the two, the they did play it well in the, the movie. The two, at least one of the leads that I can remember, you know, was was like, you know, trying to, you know, trying to get him to. Or you know, I mean, I, I, at least one of the female leads, I think, in the movie. Yeah, it was it was, the, it was the Latina. Uh, she was like, you know, we really need to bring them on. And like, he was the one that turned them down. And, and, you know, and then of course the, the two male leads are like, okay, if he's, if he's got to go do what his thing his thing, we've got to go. Like we don't have time. So they, yeah. it made sense within the movie, but at the That's same true. time, you know, it, it was kind of like, okay, it he was, was very here. token. <laughs> yeah.
1: They did was, not do him justice. Yeah. The whole film though, being <laughs> very Brown against white. I thought that was token too.
0: It was. The only thing, and, and that was part of my criticism of it uh, personally, was that it tonally, or as far as like its message goes or its political bent, it was kind of all across the board. It was trying to placate everybody because at first it was like brown versus white. And, and you're like, oh, and, and you're kind of sitting there with like, oh, God, what, how are they going to you know, go about attack, you know, tackling this issue? And then it kind of switches to class warfare, which to me is more interesting. It doesn't get brought up nearly as often. Yeah, and, which I thought
1: a lot of that was the purge, too. And, and it class. was,
0: you know, and and the purge at its base is that, although they sc- sc- skewed away from that quite a bit in the in the first purge movie, which is my least favorite, because it kind of took the message that they originally started with, which is the rich, you know, kind of have their luxury places that they can hole up in because uh, they can afford to, and everybody else is just left to fend for themselves while the politicians just sit and watch the country burn, which is not that. Is actually a fairly coherent message that you know. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, and then the the first purge kind of skewed away from that, and is like, okay, it was all a race thing all along, and I'm just like, ugh. Yeah. So, and, and this movie tried to play both sides because it, and and I don't feel like it came out as well, you know, or coherently because of it.
1: Yeah, cinematically, I think they missed the mark. I think they did really well showing how people can work together despite color. That is the, the, but it was so small. They focused on that. They were more focused on, okay, here's what I got tonally. This is a Latina watching this film. What I should be relating to is the Hispanic people. But what I'm looking at and seeing, I'm like, why are you trying to de- cause more hate? Because every white person in that film was a crazy heretic. That I'm surprised they didn't just I'm surprised they even called them white people. They might as well have just called them Trump supporters at this point. It really got bad to where it was like every white person was the same no matter what. There was like two good white people in the film. And, That's and it, they
0: were, and they were the leads, basically.
1: Exactly, and, and
0: and one of the leads had to was kind of standoffish in his own way at the beginning, and it kind of that he had to be brought to the the point of acceptance. Yeah, so. exactly.
1: He was one of those uh, those racists. They all should've been wearing red hats. Oh my god, and I was like, you know, the country isn't really like this. I know they are trying to set off an example of this is where we're headed if we don't, you know, come together. It- I don't know. Cinematically, in terms of how it views people, certain people of certain races, I think it missed the mark. I think it, if anything, like you know, people are gonna watch us and be like, "Look, it, that's not how we are."
0: Well, same thing with s-
1: Mexicans. <laughs> Mexicans and be like, "Look, we're nice to our own, but we're not gonna be out here helping everybody." Hell no. <laughs>
0: well, oh, and speaking of that. Uh, there's two things. Well, first of all, you know, uh, it, it does that thing that a lot of movies do, where, of course, the white people, you know, they're they're all for themselves. You know, there's no there's no cultural bindings that anybody can bind together at at least until the ending. Whenever they kind of you know they, they kind of reveal something else. But, uh, but throughout the whole movie, it seems like the Mexicans are a monolithic group. It's like, you know, they all care about the same thing. They're all out for each other and, you know, like they, they care. Whereas the whites are just like, you know, like, you know, fuck you. I'm going to throw you to the wolves and, you know, you, you do what you're going to do. Cause I'm going to protect me and myself. And, yeah. I, I, you know, I don't know that. That, that's never true. There's no group that's ever a monolith. That's the reason, you know, all these racial stereotypes are so stupid. Because there's no, like, there's no one thing that, you know, ever uh, describes one group, you know, the way that way that, you know, any of this stuff does. But then the other side of it, I was going to say, going back to the token thing, I totally forgot the token Native Americans was, oh, yes. <laughs> was a whole other issue.
1: That was... <sighs> Which we also have Native Native American in our um in our bloodlines, uh, and I'm watching this and I'm like, I mean, they do come off that way. Look, look, the fact remains that there are people as good as the ones in the films, and there are people as bad as the ones in the film. The problem is, is that's from every group in the world, every exactly. different race, every ethnicity. Look, it exists among everyone, so not one side is nicer than the other because they've suffered a certain way. If anything, I feel like people who have suffered have a little bit more hostility, you know, maybe they went through some more things. And it's like, well, I suffered. No, you didn't. Your great, 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 great ancestors did. That sucks. But I'm not going to live my whole life feeling like because my great, 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 great grandma and grandpa had harder times that I'm not going to appreciate how much we've grown as a society. If you know, I don't know. I don't think that I don't think that anybody should be living their lives like that personally. That's just I, me.
0: I agree with you, and and I was just thinking. Now, I mean, the only thing they did to kind of dispel the monolithic thing, and they didn't do it the right way, was they brought up the drug cartels in Mexico. And oh, course, I'm glad know, they did,
1: because I mean, <laughs> when you think, ahead. okay, when this girl is she, he's like, how are you handling this gun? She's handling this fucking. I don't even know what type of gun. I know it's not an AR-15. It is way more than that. And he's like, where'd you learn to handle that? And she said she had to defend herself. And it later comes to light that the cartels were an issue in Mexico. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, we thought America was bad. No, this is Mexico. Mexico is that bad in certain areas, especially the nicer areas. And sometimes you are forced to do things that you don't want to do to survive. And I know they're coming to America for allegedly a better life. I don't know. In the movie, it made it seem like you're leaving one place for one thing and coming to another place for the same thing, only with different colored people doing it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, it's funny because I don't I mean, and this is what I was going to bring up in a a world where the purge exists. I don't know that, um, you know, going from a drug cartel, Mexico to uh, the only benefit to come into a purge america in that sense would be the fact that you only have to worry about that craziness one day a year versus 365 but um my my point was on the other side of it they brought it up so that that was a good point but why couldn't they have shown some scenes in the movie where maybe the drug cartels kind of tried to cross the border and tried to start taking over parts of you know like texas because yeah. i mean if the forever purge is going on and the country is destabilized why not? I mean, they have nobody to worry about. At that point, the government's fucked over. I mean, there's nobody you know that's going to be in their way. They could have easily moved in and started taking, you know, territory. I mean, from amongst a lot of these rednecks that were, you know, fighting oh, the forever purge. Why
1: was every white person a redneck? <laughs> every it, it, single white person.
0: It it was Texas. I mean, that's you know, true. But it was. But
1: they were not Texas, in my opinion. Like,
0: no, those they weren't went,
1: Texans. <laughs>
0: No, they didn't even, I mean, and the funny thing is, but, you know, being Southern, you know, you, you, you have an ear for accents and you hear that and you're like, they're going for more of like, you know, an Arkansas type accent You said it, oh my God,
1: I should have said it first to, so people knew I wasn't just agreeing with you. I was thinking this sounds like somebody from Arkansas, (laughs) Arkansas, okay? I have to say something. I don't know if we're moving on shortly after this, but do you find it ironic that the wall was the one thing that protected people? (laughs)
0: <laughs> it, but that that goes to the tonal shift of it. It was the one thing that you know kept up the main characters at the beginning of the movie, and they were going that route of saying, "Oh, look how bad it is. These people are just struggling to survive, and they're trying to make a better life for themselves in America because of the drug cartels in Mexico." And then the wall turns around, and it's the one thing saving them for the forever purgers on the other side. So it's like. <sighs> You know, it's like they didn't really know which way to go with that message. It was,
1: I was dying. It was funny because my daughter, she's 13, going on 14 here, and she's watching and she's, she is going through that phase where someone who's mixed race has questions and, As a, on the exterior, she is a white female, okay? But on the interior, she is a Latina. (laughs) And it's so funny. She's watching this film and she's like, wait. So, the wall is a good thing now? And I was like thinking in my head, exactly. Politically, I try not to get into too many conversations with her because I don't want her leaning on any side. She's a little young to be worrying about that right now. But it was just funny. Her conver- her conversations kind of throughout the film. <laughs> yeah. Now, was hilarious.
0: Now, I've got to ask you um, we've got, I, I might have to count them up here in a second. We've got a bunch of Purge movies at this point. If you were going to rank them, Where would you rank this one at, and do you have a ranking overall of the movies, like in order of which ones you prefer?
1: I really don't, because I've only seen the first, and I've seen this one. I think I saw, um, not Election Day, Uh, how many are there?
0: There is the original Purge, Mm -hmm. there is Purge Anarchy, there is Purge Election Year.
1: Election Year, I may have seen.
0: There is the first Purge, and then now there's the Forever Purge.
1: Oh, my God. Okay, what is the first Purge? Because you said the original and the first. What the hell? Uh,
0: The first, well, when I say original, it's just called the Purge. And it's the one that's got Ethan Hawke in it, and he's with his rich family, and they're in the house, and the intruders come in. And, you know, it gives you the concept of the Purge. They've got to, you know, bunker down for the night. Yes. Purge Anarchy is the one where it actually takes it to the streets. There's a group of people that are caught out in the middle of the Purge. They did not for whatever reason, get a chance to get locked in. They have no opportunity for whatever reason. They are out on the streets. They are in the thick of things. Uh, Purge election is a situation where a politician is finally targeted for the Purge, and it involves taking uh, one of the members from the Purge anarchy... And using them as like a bodyguard in a way to kind of go in there and you know infiltrate oh, and extract this politician 2016,
1: or whatever. Twenty sixteen, how ironic. <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> and then I see them. Okay, so I've only seen the first, and so far the forever. Okay, and not the first. Excuse me, I've seen the original, original and then I've purge. seen the forever purge. So I cannot give a ranking, but of the two, the original is going to be number one in my opinion, and this forever purge. It wasn't even scary. It was just more political, and if we help each other, we can get through this, which isn't a lie, you know, if we all work together.
0: <laughs> it's, it's, it's a good message. It's just, it's, it's clouding a lot of BS to get there, so. Yeah, exactly. Uh, what about my, yourself? I've seen all of them. Uh, I enjoy all of the Purge movies except for maybe the first Purge because I, I think it's it too political and for the wrong, you know, and it it tried to capture some of the BLM movement and and ah uh,
1: yes, I see the cast right now
0: and it it totally it just doesn't fit with the rest of the Purge and and honestly the other thing is too they they go way hard in the first Purge to describing the background which a is not needed. Uh, you know, it, it sets up how it came about, and B, it's the most ridiculous thing ever because it, it it targets the biggest boogeyman apparently that there ever was in United States political discourse, and that is libertarians. Uh, oh, great! Because, because the people they, in the middle. Yeah, they were the ones that started the first purge because they, you know, it was their way of, uh, I, I don't know, the, and the funny uh, way of getting back, you know, uh, power to the for the founders and all that stuff or whatever nonsense they put in the first purge. But the funny thing is, if you, and not to get political, but just saying, if you look at libertarians, their very first thing is the non-aggression principle. It's like, you know, I won't harm you, you don't harm me, we're cool. And it's like, yes. you know, these these... The, the founders or the the new founders or whatever they call them in the purge these libertarians supposedly their very first thing is let, let's kill all the poor people off and all the minorities and then all oh, the Oh yeah cause because that is how
1: a libertarian is. <laughs> yeah
0: well yeah their argument in that first purge movie is that the libertarians only care about money and that they see the country as like super in debt and the only way that they can get rid of it is to get rid of the welfare state and what better way to get rid of the welfare state is to have the people on welfare kill each other and so that's their argument and that's how they started up the whole thing, so it's my least because of the message and how you know just extreme and idiotic it is, and it, it it's confined to like one building, like apartment building in in like a, a port, like a, a you know a, a bad section of town or whatever. So it's it's just it it's kind of it's it's got the least amount of the the craziness that I enjoy from the purge, outside of the original, which is you know next up on the the rung of like just the ones that I don't that are at the bottom of the list. So. The one that I would say is my first favorite is Purge Anarchy, just because it gets you out in the middle of things. (laughs) Purge Anarchy gets you out on the streets. It gets you, like, I mean, you see the full chaos of the Purge. It it sells the concept. I would probably follow it up with, they're kind of tied between this and Purge Election Night. I think I still prefer Purge Election Night, just because it still has more of the chaos and... Even though it's got the political bent, with as far as like trying to rescue like a a, a politician who's against the purge, it it's a uh, it, it's a uh, not as ham fisted as like the Forever Purge is and its message. And then of course I'd put the Forever Purge, the original Purge, and then the first Purge. So this is the Forever Purge is probably about my middle of the road purge movie. It's got the yeah. anarchy. I mean, it's got the chaos that you need from a purge movie, but it's political message. And some of the other stuff it does is just kind of too ham fisted to be as enjoyable. So
1: I know we've spent a lot of time on the purge and it was well worth it in my opinion, but can I judge these movies by the covers of their, um, their poster covers
0: go right ahead.
1: (laughs) Okay. So if I were to judge these movies, if I were to watch them in any particular order, based on how scary they look by their posters, number one would be the original purge. Those masks, We're scary. And that's all you see is a creepy-ass-looking person smiling in one of those weird-ass masks. (laughs) Number two would be Purge Anarchy. You got a gang of these people in leather-hooded jackets almost with their masks. They look creepy. Number three would be the Forever Purge. Did you see the cover? The horse and the... Yes, that's awesome. Yeah, That was, and I looked for that mask and I couldn't find it.
0: And it's also, kid. that scene's not in the movie at all. It's kind of... It's
1: not, which is so disappointing. Uh, the kids and I really wanted to get in the spirit. We got our own purge mask, you know, my little, my little anarchist. <laughs> we did get cool masks, though. Um, number four would be purge election year. I mean, oh. it's the Statue of Liberty with a mask and a bunch of people behind her. It's scary looking, but not as scary. Yeah. And it's not the Statue of Liberty. It looks like somebody dressed... Like uh, uh, yeah. Lady Liberty herself. And okay. then the last one would be the first Purge. Uh, it looks like... <laughs> it looks like... not Sno- Why was I going to say Snoke? Uh, the... Is it Snape? Snape.
0: Snape. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm editing this. People are never going to hear about this. They probably will hear about it. Snape. It looks like Snape holding up some kind of torch with a mask on. <laughs> it's not scary at all. Like, I would honestly... Pro- and look at it. Not even knowing what I know what you said... I'm like, I'm judging by his cover and I'm like, that doesn't look scary. That looks stupid.
0: It's, it's, it's not. I mean, it cuts a lot in that movie to the first founders and them like going on about, you know, like a lot of political stuff and, you know, in between like showing the people, you know, trying to survive in in the apartment complex. And it's just like, this is not what these movies are about to me. So I think you kind of missed the point.
1: Mm, It happens, unfortunately, a lot. So, all right. Are Um, we moving on?
0: We're moving on. I think the next movie we should discuss is a movie called Werewolves Within.
1: Ooh, I'm so excited.
0: Uh, this is from IFC Films, if I remember correctly, and it's a little indie film that you, you actually uh, told me about. Ah,
1: um, uh, yes, I did lie. I have been watching scary movies, but this one wasn't as scary as it was good. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's uh this is a weird one to categorize cuz it's kind of a mix of like a who done it with uh you know a supernatural werewolf movie with a comedy and uh, there's some more like genres mixed in on top of that, but I mean that's generally the a little gist bit of, of
1: romance. It. It's like a rom, a horror rom com or something like that.
0: Yeah, it's got that aspect to it too. I forgot about that. I'm not going to spoil that part of it, but yeah, it's got that in, in the movie. But this one's really interesting. I mean, it's it's got a, a pretty diverse you know mix of characters in the movie. Um, it's got a political bent itself because it's got the whole like fracking thing that it's talking about. Oh yeah, and, and like the I didn't even si- catch that. Yeah, it's got like the two sides. There's like a hyper-conservative side that wants the fracking, and they, they need it for, you know, jobs and other things, and there's the other side that's, you know, worried about towns being destroyed, the uh, ecological impact, and so it's got that in the background, but it really is just like a, it's more of a dividing line to get the characters separated from each other than it is like an actual focus in the movie, and I don't feel like it was as tonally mishandled as like the, the Forever Purge, it's because the characters have their drawn lines they have the reasons for what they do and let's face it when you start watching the movie you kind of realize all these people are shitty in their own ways there's no oh yeah there's no side that's like presented as being like oh these are clearly the good guys because they're the ecologists or these are clearly the good guys because of the capitalist it's like they you know that's their that's one of the issues they're separated on but like they, they're the individual lives they're pretty sorted messed up i mean
1: yeah tonally i feel like this is more accurate because you got people that will judge somebody for something but they have their own skeletons in their closet
0: oh a lot of skeletons yeah <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's kind of weird it's got the I, she, the, the, one of the, the leads in this is the actress who plays in a lot of these. Uh, I believe it's Verizon commercials, maybe. AT and T. AT and T. Okay, yeah, she's. Uh, you, you've probably seen her in the commercials, but like, it's just really surprising. Like, she does a pretty good job in this.
1: Oh, she does, and very inappropriate. But that girl is stacked. She has got all them curves and no breaks, man. <laughs> I knew it in the commercials and I was like, man, but woo, they really go off in this movie with it.
0: It's <laughs> funny you say that because I would always see like these pervy comments on the Internet about her, like in those commercials. And, you know, people saying, oh, yeah, I'd like to get AT&T for that or whatever, you know, like just these <laughs> stupid comments. I
1: would like to subscribe to that.
0: <laughs> yeah. And then like, you know, they and then, you know, she's in this movie and like she actually, you know, shows more of herself. And it's like, well, I guess they had a point, you know.
1: Yeah, see, they weren't lying. <laughs> doesn't matter what she is covered in. She was wearing a whole goddamn Postal Service freaking snowsuit, and I'm like, yep, I can see it.
0: <laughs> and uh, let's see, I'm trying to look here at the cast. Uh, her name is uh, Milana Vantrub. And playing opposite to her, I, I feel like one of the main leads is uh, Sam Richardson. He plays the uh, park ranger that's new to town. He's kind of the uh, fish yes. out of water. And that's another thing it's got. It's almost got a Fargo esque uh, ca- oh, yeah. quality to it because it's like set more northern. Like the characters are all kind of odd and quirky. They got that Cohen Brothers, you know, like weird uh, aspect to each one of them. You know, they're like these weird tw- uh, quirks of their personality. And. And so it's got that, um, and he's kind of like this dorky park ranger that you know in the movie, which uh, he's also in another movie I'm getting ready to discuss here or kind of go over in a second. So it's kind of interesting that he's been in both of these so uh, so back to back. Oh yeah, I see that. And then uh, another one that I just want to bring up is uh, Harvey Quillen, who uh, happens to be uh, Guillermo on uh, what we do in the shadows,
1: which is coming out soon.
0: I'm looking forward to that so much. Yes. Uh, but I mean, not much more to describe or say about it other than I I personally thought it was a great movie. I mean, if I was going to get it a quick give it a quick rating just based upon what we uh, what my first watching of it, it was easily a four, and I could see it moving up to a four and a half to a five. I mean, this is to me like the werewolf version of Shaun of the Dead. Like the cast is there, the acting is there, the cinematography was really good, like how they framed everything, and I mean they they. They did their budget well, like they didn't overshoot what they could do with their budget. Yeah,
1: no, absolutely not. And, you know, yes, four and a half for me easily, I was entertained the whole film. Usually you start to kind of get an idea who you think, you know, who it might be, who might be the person that is doing all the killing or who's the werewolf. And I honestly didn't know till the good last stretch of it, which was good yeah, I don't they, know, at least start guessing that it could be. I, I guessed wrong by one or two people, so I'm not going to lie about that. But they really did a good job of keeping it suspenseful and and funny. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how they pulled this off, but I was entertained the whole film.
0: They they got me on the the reveal. I mean, I had an inkling of of who it ended up being ultimately, but at the same time it was like When it happened, I'm like, okay, they got, they threw enough red herrings in there that it kind of, I started to go that direction, and they pulled me back off and sent me somewhere else. So I'm just like, oh yeah, you know, and I love
1: it. I love when that happens.
0: Um, But really good job all the way around. Uh, Highly recommended from the both of us. Uh, If you haven't seen it, check it out. I think it's actually now. I wished I had waited to watch it, honestly, because I I rented it for like six bucks on Amazon or whatever the the fee is for that. Yeah, and uh, it's available for like nine ninety nine now to buy and permanently own on Vudu. So,
1: oh yeah, okay. Well, look at here is the thing: this is one of those rare films that I am happy to have given my money to, and six seven bucks to me was nothing compared to what it should have been. Now they did show it in theaters out here for literally two days. And I would have paid $10 at the theater to see it. I would have Uh, loved to
0: watch it in a theater, honestly.
1: Yeah, it was really good. And, you know, one of my, and this is so wrong of me. This is so judgy of me, but I'm going to be honest. I really hate independent films that really feel super independent. Like, look, horribly independent. Almost B film status. Some of them look good because they should look that way. But some of them you can tell it just wasn't done properly and i have no idea what they did right with this film but it was everything actually i should rephrase that they did everything right <laughs> it looked good the sound was good the staging was good the actors were amazing the direction of the film i just pretty much loved everything about it
0: and 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 the other thing is they they knew how to i mean going back to the budget they knew how to work that budget whenever they showed the things that would you know require more you know, prosthetics, more makeup work. They were quicker. They gave you just enough, you know, for filling it for the, you know, your brain to fill in the, you know, information without, you know, focusing on it too long. And the and the location they chose, having everybody and they give a great reason to movie for why this happens, when they have everybody pushed into one house or uh, or structure it really allowed them to uh, you know expand their budget in other directions because they didn't have to focus on all, you know filming in all these different areas so absolutely I, great job.
1: Kind of like ghost from Game of Thrones <clears throat> <laughs>
0: oh, all right man. moving forward moving forward. Uh, just a quick thing I want to bring up the tomorrow war uh, with uh, that's just uh, recently popped up on Amazon Prime for anybody that has that. Um, a neat little movie that's got Chris Pratt in it. Uh, it's, it's it's interesting to see him, you know, kind of post. Well, not really post. He's kind of in the middle still of playing uh, Star Lord, but I mean, there's been enough of a break that I kind of feel like it's post Star Lord. But dad bod Star Lord. <laughs> He, it's it's a he really does a good job in this film. To me, he cements like that he's on the track to be the next action hero, going along with his uh, now father-in-law Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know that kind of route. <laughs> <laughs> um, he uh, in this movie basically the concept of it is without spoiling you know a whole lot because it's kind of in the beginning of the movie. Uh, Chris Pratt's with his uh, wife and his uh, and daughter, and his daughter's like really young. And they're enjoying like a... I think it's around Christmas or some kind of holiday. They've got a bunch of family over. Uh, kind of reveals that he's estranged from his own father who ends up being, um, and I never can remember this actor's name, the character or the actor who plays uh, in the old Star or in old Super Spider-Man movies as uh, J. Jonah Jameson uh, that's in all those uh, uh, We Are Farmers commercials. Oh, my God. Uh, let me see if I can look this up real quick. He is... That would be J.K. Simmons that I'm oh, thinking okay. of, and he plays the the father of Chris Pratt, and it kind of revealed later that he's more of like this uh, conspiracy nut. And oh um, god, and but it actually ends up being a good thing because while they're you know enjoying their little get together at the holiday or whatever it is, it's uh, they're watching like a, a soccer game. I believe it is uh, some kind of sports. Oh yeah, game. the World Cup. Yeah, and. Um, and that might be why they're gathered together just for the World Cup. Whatever it is, is they're watching this, and uh, all of a sudden this, there's this, like, burst of, like, energy or whatever that starts happening all over the field. Everybody rushes off the field, and all of a sudden these people come out of the, the burst of energy, and they reveal to everybody that they're from the future about 30 years in— and they're coming back to draft people to come help them fight a war that they have basically already lost against an alien uh, species, and that if they don't come help them, everybody will be dead in 30 years' time. And that's kind of the start of the movie from there.
1: How do you even begin to process that if that really (laughs) happens? What would you do?
0: I mean, I don't know. It's like, I mean, it, it, the movie does a good job of that. It basically, like, when people realize that they've only got 30 years until the world's basically over with, like, everything starts falling into to, to decay because, I mean, why would you go to your 9-to-5 piece-of-shit job if there's no future for anybody?
1: Oh, yeah. I'm like, let's run through these precious resources and party.
0: Yeah, and that's basically what it is. It's like everything's falling apart, like nobody, and, and it's it's almost like a... I don't know one of those vicious cycles or whatever. It's like you know they come back, they announce this, and then the world kind of starts going to shit, anyways, because everybody's like, "Well, we don't have a future. Who gives a shit?" Oh, you know. Great
1: way to go, assholes.
0: <laughs> but of course, you know, since Chris Pratt is the you know the lead, he he gets drafted in this future war, and it kind of goes on from there, and it reveals that did he
1: go talk to his dad, who is a planet, and maybe negotiate <laughs> some terms. Just now, wondering. he
0: does he does go to his conspiracy dad and uh gets help from him to do some things so it, it kind of follows that path oh nice but it's it's got a neat twist in that whenever he gets to the future and, and and the aliens are very well done they did a good job with was CGI or whatever they did to you know kind of you know create the creatures i don't know if they actually did any you know makeup effects uh but they're sufficiently dangerous and and you know there's enough tension there that it kind of sells it the the best part about the movie is is it's got like a uh, like a family connection because he's all the time telling his daughter before he's drafted to go to the future that you know he wants her to you know he's trying to help her out with her studies he wants her to be you know to be whatever she she can be you know and kind of you know building her up and it turns out that his daughter is kind of the leader of the resistance and so he gets to meet his daughter 30 years on oh
1: nice and
0: she and the two of them get to work together and it's got a lot of, you know, um, that kind of uh, family, you know, stuff going on. And I'm not going to reveal anything else, but, I mean, there there is some, you know, things that happen there and, and you know, and, and drama that happens between them uh, in good and bad ways and that whenever he gets the chance to get sent be sent back – he has a chance to fix some things that he messed up in the original timeline whenever he didn't go to the future. It's kind of weird how I thought you are not they... supposed
1: to do that. <laughs> you ruined the timeline.
0: Well, I mean, I feel like they would have ruined the timeline anyway, so I... The, Where the... are the
1: timekeepers, Loki? i was kidding.
0: <laughs> Let's not get started on that. Uh, but it it's a good film uh it does have the actor that i mentioned uh from the uh, werewolves within he's one of the actual three leads in the movie he kinda yeah. they kind of drop him about like through the mid section of the movie whenever it's focusing more on chris Pratt and his daughter uh but uh it it does come back you know at the end and bring him back in and and okay so, good I mean, and so, so there, he wasn't
1: token is what you're saying
0: no he w- he wasn't uh, but it, it's, it's actually, it's got a fair amount of, uh, big name actors. Like his daughter in the future is played by your Yvonne Stravasky or Stravasky. And she's that, uh, she's the one that played the, the female lead on Chuck. If you ever watched that show, she was like Chuck's, not. uh, girlfriend. Good, good show. You need to watch it. Uh, but, and then Betty Gilpin plays his wife in the past and, um, she was in a movie. You I mean watched in her. the present? Well, I guess in the present, depending upon which part of the timeline you're in.
1: That's true. Uh, okay. Uh,
0: but she plays his wife, and it's funny because we had just literally got through watching The Hunt right before we watched this, which is another kind of pseudo horror movie, and she's the lead in that movie. So it's kind of it's kind of funny. Oh my funny god! She you're just in.
1: seeing all. The, you're like, hey, I know you.
0: <laughs> it's like I just I saw you and I saw you, and it's like they're they're just all in the same movies. But oh my god! It's 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 a good movie. It's a good action romp. I there's some tension there. There's some horror elements whenever the aliens are first, uh, kind of introduced. But they I, I don't know. They they kind of lose their importance. It's more like the difference. Like if you go with the, like the aliens films, like Alien was like this kind of like haunted house on a you know like on a spaceship type movie. Whereas aliens is just like a big action romp, you know, like game over, yeah. Man, game over. This is more like aliens versus alien. It's, it's got some of the, you know, the creatures there and, and that sort of thing, but it's more like action packed. Yeah. But, uh, moving on from that, uh, just cover the fear street movies. Now, oh, God, <laughs> these were recently released on Netflix and there's three of them. They are set in three different time periods. Uh, I, don't remember exactly what they are. I think it's 1994 is the first one. The yes. second one is 1978, 1976. It's in the 70s, and then the last one is 1666. Of course, yeah. So they is, go backwards. They do go backwards, but then they come okay. full and then they come full circle because it, it bookends coming back to 1994. So it, it kind of loops back around. My biggest problem with these movies is, is how uneven they are. I mean. I don't know if they film these things back-to-back, but my biggest issue is that the first one, if I hadn't stuck with it, I would have completely hated this series because the first movie, it starts out with like a scream rip-off. I mean, literally, it's like some guy, like this girl's in a mall, and she's starting to get phone calls from somebody who's threatening to kill her, and she tries to lock herself in, you know, the gate and everything in the mall, and she ends up getting stabbed to death anyways, like at a certain point and, uh, you know, it's a a masked killer, you know, and it's like, okay, this is Scream. And then it kind of brings in some other elements, like there's a witch, and there's some of these haunted... I mean, like, it, these people are supposed to be possessed by the spirit of the witch. The biggest issue that I have with the first one is that the leads are very unlikable. And I don't mean it because of anything, like, you know, politically or anything like that. I mean, they they tried to focus... uh, paint this movie as, like, one of the first, like, lesbian-led horror movies, which is oh, fine.
1: God. Yeah.
0: But... Was it
1: in your face, though? Was it very...
0: They they went out of their way to say how they couldn't, you know, they had to be in the closet. They couldn't, you know, uh, come... I mean, it was 1994, but at the same time, it it also, like, I don't know, like, it it, it felt like, I mean, the amount of, like, other, like, just, like, Regular character, I mean, like uh, like white straight characters were like very limited in the film, and I don't know why that was because I felt like that would you you, you could have still had the the lesbian leads and then still had you know that in in the movie, but they they tried to go the route of if they had a white you know straight lead, they either killed them or they were bad people, and I was just like, okay, that's fine if that's how you want to play it, but that wasn't really my biggest issue. Just the fact that they the the leads were just awful people like you didn't care about them because they 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 literally sacrificed everybody around them just for themselves yes I
1: do remember catching that I was sleeping while this was playing by the way
0: (laughs) probably the best I wasn't watching
1: it the husband was it was one of those again this is on this is what's happening
0: (laughs) and that was my biggest issue with it is just like you're watching these leads and it's like okay give me a reason to root for these people and there's no reason like the the sister uh that you know uh, there's there's the dorky little kid brother, and and he's the one that's kind of researched all of this, and his sister's just horrible to him. She's just, uh, he's just kind of a drag on her. Like she's obsessed with her ex, which you know they. She says Sam, and it's like okay, and then you find out the reveal who it's a girl. Like you know, big reveal that that. To, nowadays, that's not a big reveal. Who cares? And it turns out that Sam tried to go the other way and like you know uh, go straight for a while, and she's dating this guy. So now this now the main or the, the, the sister, you know, the lead, she's, she's really, she's still obsessed with her ex. She hates the guy that she's dating now. And like, you know, it's all this drama. And then whenever they do get back together, it's not like, I mean, they've got like so many issues with each other that it's like, why are you two? I mean, it's, it's almost like a toxic relationship and, and there's nothing at all uh, that, you know, to really, you know, root for between those two. And through the whole movie, if somebody else can be sacrificed so that one of the two of them can be saved, they'll get sacrificed. And that's like, you don't make a hero that way at all. I mean, it's it's kind of ridiculous. My other big issue is is that it, it's tonally very weird because the kills are really graphic and, and some of them are really good. There's a bread Slicer kill that's amazing that I've never seen yeah, in a film before. You did
1: mention that.
0: Uh, literally somebody's face gets run through a bread slicer and it gets cut up in all the various pieces of bread, you know, or whatever, like in, in slices that way. And that's really nice. cool. I've never seen that. But uh, the movie plays like goosebumps as far as like how the characters act. And I'm just like, you don't get characters acting like goosebumps. And I'm talking about the movie, of course, uh, you know, oh, Jack yeah. Black and that sort of thing, you know, how kitty that is. You don't get to act that way and then have this graphic like death scenes on the other side of it what are you trying to accomplish with this i mean i feel like it's was to gain <laughs> i felt like i was watching a movie that was steered toward kids which it, I, it was It was toward teenagers but and then they threw all these like graphic death scenes and i'm like these don't sync up like there's nothing like and and i'm and it's not even just the, how they were acting it's just like how the movie was shot and everything it was more like a goofy kids movie at times and was there
1: any sexual content in it
0: I don't really remember there being, uh, you know, other than the characters kind of making out, you know. Oh, but, okay. Um, that, I don't remember anything graphic that way. It was mostly just, you know, you know how they were killing them, uh, all the characters in the movie. But I'm just like, none of it fit tonally. It was like, I mean, they, they acted like they were going for like this real, I mean, it was oriented toward kids. And then they would like, you know, and the other stuff was like oriented toward like these like older, like, uh, gore hounds, you know, like the people who grew up on, like, slasher films. I'm like, okay. And so I didn't care for the first one. I stuck with the second one just because, mainly because I, I found out that booking in the second movie uh, was an actress, uh, Gillian Jacobs, and she played uh, Britta on Community, and I, I love that TV oh, show. Yeah. And I wanted to see her in the movie, and she was good. And she and she played like the only survivor of like the uh, of, of of this witch's attacks or whatever. And so the main characters from the first one go to her, and she recounts her story. And it happens in like the seventies in like a camp. And so it's got the the second movie has like the Jason type you know thing, or you know uh, the burning, or any of those movies that were set in like camps back in the the seventies, uh, late seventies, early eighties, and it's and it. Tonally, it works because it it's right there where it needs to be at. Like the kills, whenever they happen, the tone of the characters in the movie it it's it's they're all lined. It's more toward like I'd say late teens, you know that sort of thing. And the, and it's a better put together movie. It's not as Interesting, you know, in, in certain ways. And none of the kills are that inventive because literally there was a guy walking around with like a bag over his head killing people with an axe and he just chops their head usually and that's how he kills them. I mean, there's nothing so inventive boring. with kills. But it was a better movie. The actress, I think, that played the young version of Gillian's character, she was in Stranger Things. She's the little uh, the redhead girl who plays like the oh, love yeah. interest uh, to uh, one of the characters in that. And so she was really good in it, and the dynamic in that one was more like a uh, two sisters trying to take care of each other throughout the film, and it works better because you actually did root for the characters. The, the uh, Gillian Jacobs like younger version starts out being kind of like a shit, you know, like she's kind of rude to everybody, but then like she throughout the movie she kind of eases up, and then of course her older sister. kind of helps with that. So there's a reason to root for them. So I'm like, okay, this has better final girl type things that goes on with slashers. And then it turns around from that, and it goes back in the last movie, it's revealed that uh, whenever you find the body parts or whatever and you combine them together of the witch, then, like, whoever does that, uh, she basically reveals to them, like, what happened to her, like, the witch herself. It's not actually her that's doing the curses, you know, spoiler alert. I mean, I'm not... I'm just saying that just because it's not worth, you know, it's not really worth caring about, in my opinion. But I'm not going to say who's doing it, but it's not her. So, anyways, it goes back to 1666, kind of like a pilgrim town. And
1: oh, shocker! Yeah, mean. and wait, what is that? What? What? Why am I not? Is it pagan? No, not pagan. Uh, what was the the religion?
0: Uh, Puritan.
1: Pur- there we go. Because yeah. I was thinking the Puritanic panic.
0: Yeah, and it's and it's a Puritan, you know, little village. It's uh, it's, it's in it's,
1: the 1600s. No.
0: Yeah, yeah. I don't. They just chose 1666 because of the, you know,
1: six six six.
0: Yeah. And anyways, so they reuse characters from all the first two movies, which is kind of weird because <laughs> you're supposed to be in a in a in a puritan village which you'd think would be extremely white and you've got these uh you know characters of color in in the movie and it's just and and you know it's just really weird you know that they they went that route but it's kind of just hinting that i guess that the main character uh the sister she's the one that travels back as she's seeing this i guess she just sees like echoes of people that she you know grew up with and that sort of thing and it's it's Okay for what it is, it's only like a part. It's only partly set in that time period because it does like the last third of the movie cycles back to 1994 and finishes out the series, so it's only like, you know, it's not all the way there. And it kind of tries to play off like the witch and some other movies that we've already discussed in that way, you know, it, it's there's a lot of that. But it's not bad. It's just it's it's okay. It's it's your typical like, you know, witchcraft, devil, you know, thing Puritan times type movie. Not bad not terrible, you know, not great, just somewhere in the middle. So you've got the first section of the movie that's like the, you know, like the new age slasher, which is awful. you got the middle section of the movies that's old school slasher, which is pretty decent. And then you got the last one, which was just okay. So overall, like, the series ends up being just like a middling, like, if I was going to give it a rating, like two and a half at best. Ugh. And yeah. that's, that's a lot of time to devote to a series of movies when it ends up just being middling, you know, uh, all the way around.
1: Yeah. And you know, your vote doesn't count cause it wasn't aimed towards your, you know, <laughs> genre of people in general, older male, you know, well, older male got to make it sound like you're ancient, <laughs> <laughs> uh, a couple hundred years old. You're still, you know, you're still bright and kicking.
0: I, it, I, I was trying to put myself in the, in the mindset of like a teenager. And I still feel like, but I'm, 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 I don't know. I'm biased because I grew up with the original slasher movies, and I've seen better. So that's part of it. I guess if I was a teenager now, I would probably rate it higher. And I have seen teenagers rate it high, and that's fine. That's that, if that's their stepping stone to get in the genre, great.
1: Yeah, I'm just saying. Did you, if, you read the Fair Street books growing up?
0: I know, I did not read Fear Street. I book.
1: did. And they were great.
0: <laughs> for anybody out there that doesn't know, it's a series of uh, R.L. Stein books. Uh, he made those like oriented toward teenagers, whereas Goosebumps was oriented toward kids. I did read Goosebumps. I, I, I read a lot of those, but I did not read yes. Fear Street.
1: I loved Goosebumps, and then I did move into Fear Street. They had some trilogies in Fear Street. I had almost every single book. They were really good, especially for, they were pretty appropriate for i would think i was reading them as early as 12 which i had no business i should have been like maybe 14 or up reading these fear street books but they were so good i did not watch the fear street movies because (laughs) i i i probably and i should know better i mean i'm on a i'm on a podcast reviewing movies and shows related to horror i couldn't do it i did uh in my dream, watch it because I do dream about what I'm hearing <laughs> when it's on. So I can actually see it in my head, believe it or not. Especially if I get like a first glimpse of the characters. It'll literally play in my head while I'm sleeping. It's weird. It's I mean, it's it's cool, but it's like that's probably not how it really was, you know. I'm obviously making things up in my head. And didn't sound like the hubby liked it very much. I did not know that my daughter, who is a teenager, watched it as she hated it absolutely hated it and and
0: and um, that's and that's the main thing her opinion makes you know way uh, has way more worth than any of ours because she is the target audience for this
1: she is the target audience she said specifically now she doesn't go into detail her answers are yes no she's a teenager okay but she did say this about the film i said what did you not like about it can you give me anything she said they did not focus on the horror as much as they should have She said she really thought it could have been scarier. She said the original Goosebumps series, not just the books, the TV show was actually scarier than this. She said there was more suspense. And granted, I mean, the horror elements, you weren't going to get that out of Goosebumps. But she said at least you felt more fear. She goes, I didn't feel any fear in this. She goes, it was kind of cheesy. And I was like, wow, I didn't realize. And for her to see that now, I know she's, she, you have to really put out a scary movie. I mean, I asked her, give me an example of a scary movie, something that you watch and you actually, because she does not give off the, the I, she doesn't give off that she feels fear very often, and she said the nun. So that was an example of a movie that would scare her. But she said even then, she's like, I can still enjoy a scary movie just because I'm not being scared. She goes, and this I did not enjoy.
0: Well, she has a very valid point. Like Most of this is like uh, relationship drama. I mean, mm-hmm. there, there's a lot of that. And that's the reason that, especially the first one doesn't work, is because you don't care about the characters, at least I didn't. And there was nothing that they did that made me care about them. And uh, th- watching them basically fight each other over the fact that they broke up and everything for most of the film while a bunch of people are getting killed and you know, kind of in the edges of the screen, not, not interesting. Just not at all. And I think that's the reason the second and third one did better for me because caring about the characters a little bit more, whenever it focused on the relationships, which it it still did, they were a little bit more or a little bit easier to or to, you know, relate to. When it cycles to the one in sixteen sixty six, it also goes over the lesbian relationship in that time period, but it's more interesting because the character that the the lead uh, from you know the very first movie, she you know she's reused in this one. When that actress is is in this one, she plays a likable character. She you understand her struggle, where she's coming from, why she's the way she is, and there, and she's not got like you know just the baggage of just being like this horrible obsessive person. So I mean it, they they did a better job with it later on. So it, I mean doesn't excuse how they are in the 1994 version, but I agree. Circling back to what you said. It, it the the horror is tra- is tangential in a lot of this. It's like jump scares, and even then they're telegraphed so far in oh advance God. that there's nothing really to you know even say in that sense.
1: <laughs> yeah, little Lucifina, I don't know what your official score, but an unofficial score from little Lucifina, She said she gives the series a one.
0: I Like I said... I did not like
1: it. I think she mentally checked out after the first episode. Well,
0: I would have, but I gave it a chance just because of Gillian Jacobs, like I said, purely upon her and then like... (laughs) Britta. Yeah, Britta. And, And she does a great job. I mean, for what they give her, she, you know, she sells like this person who's damaged, you know, which sadly... Uh, Gillian Jacobs that's what she has been pigeonholed into throughout her career she plays damaged characters even as Britta it didn't start out that oh, way yeah. but she beca- it reveals more of herself she is damaged and you go back through Gillian Jacobs like you know uh, filmography and like she plays like these uh, young prostitutes who's dealt with like you know sexual abuse like she down the line so whenever they got her to play this character who was the traumatic survivor of like you know makes basically a serial killer she does it well because that's what she used to playing I mean in a roundabout way Um, but uh, rest of the I mean like I said I would give it a two and a half for the series honestly I would probably watch the middle one and just skip the rest because it's self-contained enough that you're not going to miss anything if you really want the whole experience go right ahead but you're going to have to struggle to get through that first movie unless you're just I I don't know I mean unless you're just really in the fair street and I don't even know then that it would be that much of a draw
1: Mm, so sad
0: Just a couple of quick things I'm going to throw out there for these. It's not really, you know, anything, uh, I'm not going to go into detail about them. There's a couple of movies that's out there, uh, independent films, that I think are worth watching for our audience. Uh, The first one is called Psycho Gorman, and then the other film is Turbo Kid. i lumped these together, even though there's nothing really similar about them, just because the, the way they were filmed and just the general vibes of them are so similar that I feel like they'd make a great double feature. Uh, psycho gorman's about this uh it's about these kids basically a brother and sister and it's somewhere america it doesn't really reveal i don't think where they're at and they happen to you know stumble upon this weird pod that's buried under the ground and somehow they punch in the right code to release whatever's inside of it and they reveal this horrible alien overlord uh from another planet who at one point in, in the long distant past uh traveled from uh planet to planet killing or enslaving everybody who was on that, and he was finally, uh, you know, just barely captured and, and of all places, sent to Earth because Earth at that time was just a backwater place that nobody cared about, and they thought that nobody would ever discover him anyways, and so these kids um, happened to awaken him, and the... The funny thing is, whoever opens it up, uh, they get the, this crystal, and the crystal is what gives. Uh, they they name the character Cycle Gorman. That's not his name, but they kids think it's a cool name for a, for a you know oh evil overlord. God. Whoever has the crystal controls Cycle Gorman. So even though he's threatening to kill everybody, and he still does kill people, uh, but it's uh, you know a, a cheeky kind of killing people. You have to watch the movie to see what I'm talking about. Uh, he, uh, he's controlled by them. So, like, the, the, the sister is clearly the alpha of the two of the two uh kids even though i think she's the youngest because she's kind of psycho herself and so whenever and so when she gets access to this crystal of course she loves the fact that she's got this great big alien overlord who can do what she wants now she's not you know she doesn't want genocide or anything like that but if somebody makes her mad and they happen to get turned into like this weird uh brain puddle type you know uh monster or something she's cool with it whatever she's fine you know (laughs) it's kind of the
1: (laughs) nothing more psycho i can say from experience nothing more psycho than a little girl (laughs) uh
0: but i mean the effects are decent i mean you know it's 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 on a budget but they do really great with the psycho gorman suit itself uh the the animated you know stuff they do like lightning bolts and stuff like that are well or well enough done they're actually better in the movie we're going to be discussing the night spoiler alert and um just generally the overall, it's just like a tongue-in-cheek type, you know, concept to the movie. And it's it's just enjoyable. And it's got a real 80s vibe to it, even down to the score, because the score's kind of like got this retro synth sound to it. So if... if
1: oh, the synthetic?
0: Yeah, like the, you know, like the, the keyboard, like the cars, that sort of sound, you know.
1: Oh, come on. I'm not going to hear a fucking Kmart version of moving in stereo, No,
0: it's not that. But <laughs> you'll hear like something similar. It's like, you know...
1: Yeah, but watch me. I'll watch it, and I'll hear it and I'll be like, oh, my God, that's this song. <laughs> it,
0: it's on Shudder. I think it's a Shudder original, maybe. So I ain't
1: need, really need to get Shudder. You really need to
0: Shudder. But anyways, so there's that. And then Turbo Kid is really interesting because it's set in, like, a post-apocalyptic future. I think it's set in maybe Australia. I'm not really for sure. It's it's not the U.S. because they specifically mentioned at one point that they want to travel to the U.S. Uh, if they can ever make it there across the vast desert that is the what used to be the ocean. But
1: it, wait post post-apoc- uh, post-apocalyptic future Australia isn't that happening right now so maybe it's not the future well
0: <laughs> maybe <And> it's <laughs> also the fact that that's also the setting for Mad Max and this has a lot of heavy Mad Max vibes but it
1: ooh I kind of like that but it
0: follows a, a kid you know he is he, you know the, hence the name turbo kid who's surviving on his own in the apocalypse all he cares about is collecting these uh, comic books of a uh, of a superhero that was uh, popular prior to the apocalypse, and even though there's like these uh, there's all these people struggling to get water, and people killing each other over that, and you know the cannibals and all the other stuff you would think of in apocalypse. He's just out there doing his thing, collecting his comic books and trading for you know uh, shit whenever he can, whatever he can salvage out in the wasteland. So it, it's got it's also got that tongue in cheek vibe, very similar to Psycho Gorman. That's why I said they're they're very similar to each other. Both have the '80s vibe to them. And okay. and it's also got this uh, cool thing where he discovers a um, a female, uh, or well, he happens upon a uh, uh, the female lead in the movie, and she's really clingy and really annoying. And he tries to uh, throughout the course of or like the first part of the film tries to ditch her at every opportunity, but she just keeps coming back. And it turns out that she is like a. The the, the the last model that was ever invented of this certain type of uh, basically robotic companion or whatever that was... Uh, like a cyborg? Yeah, she's... she's Well, she's not really... I don't think she has, like, human parts. She's, like... Oh, she's okay. more of an android, I guess, if you want to think of her that way. Uh, but she... I think there was something that was, like, program drawing in her and she's kind of like or she had like damage over time so she that's kind of why she's so quirky she's got a lot of quirks too speaking back to werewolves within she's kind of got her own but uh, throughout the course of the film, like the, the viewer and the character kind of gets endeared to her because even though she's got these annoying qualities, she really does like care about the main lead and she helps him out in a lot of cases. So whenever stuff starts to go really bad and some of his history is revealed about how he lost his parents and why he's on his own, she helps him overcome all that stuff. So it's 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 a pretty good feel. It's a feel good film whenever it ends up at the end, even if it is post apocalyptic. Um.
1: I I think I've seen Turbo Kid. You think? Oh, maybe I I'm not I'm not sure because when you said like the 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 robot, if you will, um, it was there was there ever a part in the movie where she like, eventually had to go like she like she failed.
0: Yes, yes.
1: And did she kind of explain her life story at that point? Uh. Not her life story so much. Did she before she went out? Did she kind of explain how she works and what she was her function was or anything? Something
0: similar. That's it been a little while since I've seen it, but I think it's something like that. Okay,
1: I think I've seen this. I, it's <laughs> which
0: is fun. I mean it's I think it's got Michael Ironsides as like the main baddie, and he's always good at chewing up the scenery, so he's interesting to watch. as like the big bad of the movie, the warlord that you know the, the turbo kid has to run up against. I don't know. I just, I, I found it entertaining. I, it's very nostalgic if you're into the 80s stuff. Like I said, if you combine it with Psycho Gorman, you're going to have a good night if you're into that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and the last thing I want to discuss before we move on to the what we normally discuss in these things uh, is the just released literally this weekend that we're recording this is James Gunn's Suicide Squad. Have you seen this, Urena?
1: Have not. I actually, to be honest with you, I wasn't really interested in going to see it. It's not that I didn't like the first Suicide Squad.
0: Oh, don't uh, even don't even consider that movie. That, that is uh, complete and utter shit compared to this. Don't, yeah, garbage compared yes. to this one. Uh
1: I mean I liked I don't know if you had seen have you seen any of the animated Suicide Squads? Uh
0: I, I, I can't say that I have, no.
1: Okay. Batman Assault on Arkham was a really good animated version of Suicide Squad, and I'll keep this short. Uh, and it kind of followed the first Suicide Squad, but not as dark. So did they go a little more darker route with the second oh, one?
0: Oh, Lord, is this movie dark. I mean, it's it, Perfect. It's dark in the sense of what's happening and the undertones, but it's got that James Gunn Gal- Guardians of the Galaxy humor all over top of that. So even though it's dark, it's palatable um i'll give you a perfect example well first of all i'll say this it's on hbo max if you have that watch it you know you don't have to go to the movie theater right now to watch it i don't know that's wb's decision i think they kind of messed up on that but if you have hbo max you know it's on there right now watch it it's great um as far as like just an example of the, the type of humor there is a character at the beginning of this movie who is this awful looking uh, CGI weasel character and awful in the best of ways he looks like a bad like somebody who was in one of those and this is goes back to James Gunn's history uh, James Gunn was originally when he first got his start was in a lot of trauma films he, he did a lot of directing for like uh, 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 Lloyd Kaufman for stuff like I don't know that he worked on the Toxic Avenger although there is a credit in this movie for Toxic Avenger so I think he might pop up as an Easter egg in one of the scenes. But, I mean, if you've watched, like, uh, Night of the Living Chickens or some kind of movie where, like, a a KFC, like, gets all the chickens come back to life and start attacking people, that's what you get with trauma, okay? So, James Gunn started out with that. He... Has this character called the Weasel, which I, maybe was a bad guy in, in DC. I'm, I'm not familiar. He really dips into like the worst DC or D and Z grade uh, villains in this movie for the best of purposes, just because of, you know, he points out how ridiculous they are. But the Weasel is, is contracted to help the suicide squad that's formed at the beginning of the movie. And this character looks like a bad. Uh, like suited character from like an old like you know eighties film, but like if but if but like you know with better CGI or something. Just the way he walks, the sounds he makes, like he's just ridiculous. His eyes are on different sides of his head. They're kind of he he's just ridiculous. And the very first thing they mention about him when he gets on the plane and they're introducing all the characters, and this this goes back to how dark this movie is underneath. You got this weird looking. You know, weasel, and the guy's like, "Yeah, weasel here." He was busted on the uh, he was busted on the charge of killing twenty seven children.
1: Oh, (laughs) and that's how the
0: movie starts. Like, you literally have one of the characters that you're supposed to be rooting for, who's a child murderer (laughs) and a massive child murderer at that. He's like this weird weasel, and it. it, I mean,
1: (sighs) that is what Suicide Squad was, though.
0: (laughs) But. I mean, and it it just goes on from there. Like, uh, the reason I bring this up on a horror podcast is it's got those dark undertones. There is so much gore in this, and it is so good. Like, if you want to see blood splatter, if you want to see people get taken out in the most gruesome ways, you will get it in this movie. There is heads being blown off at every opportunity. There are people having limbs ripped off. There is blood splatters everywhere. It is nonstop. I mean...
1: Okay, this is just my type of film.
0: <laughs> and I,
1: but I'm looking at the characters real quick. So, really, the only characters that are returning are Harley Quinn, Captain Boomerang, and Katana, from the original one or from the first uh, one. I don't. What is this supposed to be? Is this supposed to be a part two? Is this supposed to be a prequel? Is this supposed to be a sequel? So,
0: I'm not going to spoil much, but here, but this is not spoiling anything, uh, and I'm not going to give away uh, w- without too much. Okay, when it starts out. It it is a semi sequel. They I say semi okay. because they don't acknowledge anything that went on in the previous movie, but they acknowledge and Katana's not in this. It's somebody else. It's like Mongoloida or something like I've never heard of her. She's okay. like and and they even make fun of it in the movie. They're like, what is she? Is she an alien? Is she a demigod? Like you know, nobody knows what she is or what her powers are. And but anyways. So, it they starts out in the movie, and it's playing it, and I love this. I love any time a movie starts out with a Johnny Cash song. You've instantly got me hooked when you start out with Johnny Cash, just like the, the Dawn of the Dead you know, remake when it starts out with that dark, you know, uh, uh, apocalyptic song that Johnny Cash is singing. This one starts out with Folsom yeah. Prison Bru- Blues. And it zooms in on Michael Rooker, for those who don't know, Merle... Uh, from The Walking Dead, uh, he played Mary Poppins. Y'all, he played uh, Yondu oh, in God. And Gal- uh, Guardians of Galaxy. He he's he's a James Gunn alum. He if there's a movie James Gunn's making, he's going to be in it. So he he's sitting there. He's got this long, you know, straggly white hair. You can tell he's been in prison forever, and he's bouncing this ball. And and, and this starts out something that I want to say about this movie. James Gunn's cinematography in this is amazing because he's, he he okay. starts out and he you see. Merle, you see Michael Rooker's character, and then it pans up and it reveals that you've been looking at him from like this puddle of water that's at his feet, and it and it switches the camera like three hundred or one hundred and eighty degrees and like zooms or, and shows him, and it, it moves away from the puddle up to his face. I love whenever movies do that. Um, yeah. So it's got the the good cinematography of that, and he's sitting there and he's bouncing this ball, and he's got all these X's on the wall that's got like this tape that he's taped on there, and. He sits there, and he bounces the ball against one, and it bounces in two or three different other spots where he's got the tape, and then it comes back to him. And so he keeps bouncing on the floor. Well, there's this little, and this goes back to the dark undertones of this movie, there's this little yellow canary that flies in, and and it's like, or some kind of bird, and a little yellow bird, and it, like, lands, and Johnny Cash is still playing during all this, and it lands, like, somewhere in that cell or place where he's at, and it starts picking at the ground. He looks at it, and he's got this grumpy looking uh, look on his face and he he takes the ball and he bounces it a point on you know one of the walls it bounces around like 6 7 times hits the bird square in like the neck and kills it <laughs> he picks it up it's still got blood splattered on the ball wipes it on his pants like it's no big deal and then they get, they call him in there to hire him and apparently his character's name is uh I can't remember now. It's something like he is, he's like an expert, but that's not the word. It starts with a T or whatever. But anyways, he's like the, he, he apparently like he is the, the ultimate martial artist, like, or and like weapons specialist. So that, that's why they're hiring him. So you get him and Harley Quinn joins up the, from the original movie. And she acknowledges that whenever she sees a, a flag or whatever, I think his name is, uh, who's, who was kind of like the government leader of the first, in the first movie, uh, she acknowledges that she's worked with him before and Captain Boomerang. She recognizes both of them. They're the only ones that okay. return. And okay. and then you get a bunch of other weirdos. You know, you get Merle's or, you know, Michael Rooker's character. You get uh, the weasel. <laughs> yes. You get uh, that mongoloid lady. She's like this orange uh, lizard skin lady with like this weird, like almost Thanos type armor on. Uh, you get uh, some character who carries around a javelin, and his name's literally The Javelin. Um, okay. And he's almost like a pseudo ripoff of, like... I, I kind of got a vibe of, like, uh, Aquaman, but not Jason Momoa Aquaman, but the cheesy one from the comic books type vibe, you know? Oh, okay. He, he talks like this, you know? Like, he's very self-important, oh, you know? And you get... Um, there's just like two or three, one of them's called Blackguard and all he is, he's just like a weapons expert and like he some more generic people. And the movie starts out with them and then it switches. I'm not going to say why, but it switches to a completely separate group of suicide squad people. And they're the ones you follow in the movie.
1: Okay. Uh, Harley Quinn, it's gonna be comes, interesting. Harley
0: Quinn comes back, but uh, there's, but I mean, but she's not with the original group when the movie starts like the, or, or not the group that you, that you follow throughout the movie. She doesn't start with them. She has her own little side arc that they bring into it.
1: This is, oh my, I have to watch it because my brain is going crazy. Do, okay, so I know we talked about the first, uh, the first Suicide Squad. Okay, Birds of Prey came out. Is that anything that you would have to see or would this kind of derail that film? I don't know if you've you've seen Birds of Prey. I have
0: seen Birds of Prey. It's a decent movie. Um, There's a few things they did in that that I thought was kind of goofy, but overall it was all right uh they the only thing that they reference in this from um birds of prey is the fact that somebody looks up when harley shows up on the the, the airplane at the beginning when they're loading everybody up is there like some I, and i don't remember i think it was boomerang somebody was like uh or no it wasn't boomerang it was nathan feline plays some kind of character who is T day or tkd uh, or TDK. TDK, is his character because his name ends up being the detachable kid and literally his only power is he can detach his body parts that, oh, I mean that's okay. how you know, that, that's literally his power so anyways, TDK looks up and he's like and he's like Harley. I thought, and this is Nathan Fillion, you know, the from you know Firefly and that sort of thing. So he's always great. And he's just he looks up and he's like, uh, Harley, I thought you were uh, out of all this. I thought you got pardoned. And she's like, I was. I uh, I I got some road rage and I got back in trouble. And you know, she so she in and, and Birds of Prey, they reveal that she's finally out, you know, of prison, and she's no longer going to be, you know, she don't have to go through the Suicide Squad shit anymore because she's finally, you know, made her, you know, she's made it legit. But in this, it's a throwaway line. She's like, yeah, I got pissed off somebody Road Rage, and now I'm back in it, and haha, now, you know, and that's, and then they just move on. So it's literally the only, like, tie into Birds of Prey at all.
1: Okay. (laughs) So really not important to have seen it, or? It's... I have not seen Birds of Prey, so I was and I was not interested in it. It's,
0: uh, Birds of Prey is interesting in a few ways, just for the fact that it does develop Harley Quinn, and it's more of her movie than it is the Birds of Prey, anyways. Which is kind of dumb that they named it that way. But you don't have to see that for this because uh, whatever Harley learned, which is, this is appropriate to Harley Quinn, honestly. Whatever things that she learned, other than the fact that she moved on from the Joker in that movie, they went right out the window because she's, you know, very, you know, like schizophrenic type character. So, like, you know.
1: Okay, uh, and that's the thing. That's why I didn't, wasn't interested because they're like, well, Birds of Prey was kind of to develop her as a better character. She's not crazy. She's actually very smart, which. Technically, she is. We know Harleen Quinzel was a psychiatrist. Okay, we get it, but she got into her own psyche and developed her own feelings on things, which were obviously triggered by the Joker, because that's how he is as a character. And I know that Birds of Prey was designed to kind of make her independent because he's an abuser and blah blah blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We get it. It's a fucking comic, okay. So and that's literally, I don't know. I just didn't, wasn't interested in Birds of Prey. Not because I feel like she didn't deserve that, but it's because did, did we need a whole film to really understand that?
0: I mean, I don't know. It's it it helps in the long run kind of to uh, describe why she was able to break away from the, the Joker, but it's not necessary at all to watch this film. So I, I mean, yeah, I'm,
1: because you said it sounds like she reverts back to her craziness in this film. She,
0: well. She's st- she's got her morals still intact. I'll say that. Like there is okay. there's a scene later in the movie where you think, okay, she's. It seems like she's falling for another guy who's just as bad as for the Joker, and then something happens, and then you realize, and she even says it. She's like, "I was that way. I'll never be that way again." So she, they, they, they kept that development. They did. Okay. But the as to how important it is to to see that development, that's only if you're a Harley Quinn fan. If you don't care. Uh, this movie, uh, she's it's sufficient enough to explanation. This movie, you do not have to see the other one for that. Alrighty. But the only and the other reason I bring it up besides the dark undertones and the gore, the main thing that they're going after in this movie ends up being a very Lovecraftian type character uh, villain from DC. Nice. And so even though it's a goofy character, it does have Lovecraftian type vibes, especially the fact that there's almost like a pseudo army of zombies within the movie that they're fighting. So.
1: Hmm, okay, okay, you've got me peaked so again. So
0: it, it does have the horror undertones, and I, and I think this, honestly to me, this movie is an instant, you know, like, it's one. Of, it, it's uh, probably my favorite DC film of the DC universe, if they want to lump that in together. That, you know, I'm not counting all the old Atman movies, because they don't lump those in anyways. I'm talking about, like, you know, of the Batflex, and of the Aquaman, you know, Jason Momoa Aquaman movies, all that stuff. This is my favorite, and it's just because they dip so much in the DC's, like, back catalog, and then, and he uses it so well, but he also... This is, like, quintessential James Gunn. Like, the humor, the horror elements. Like, I mean, if you saw Slither that also had Michael Rooker in it as the main character, like, he really, like, goes back into that and taps into, like, his, his roots way more than he did in Guardians. And I want to say... This movie is him expressing himself better than Guardians. So, like, Guardians is him with handcuffs on. Like, he he gets him what he can, and you get his sense of humor. But this movie is that with the dark undertones that makes it just that much better. So,
1: See? That's the difference between DC <laughs> and Marvel. Just saying. Oh,
0: and do you have anything else to add to that? That was a lot of banter, but I felt like it was good banter, so...
1: Yeah, I do not. I think, uh, <laughs> I think we went over it pretty well, so we should probably roll into uh, Attack of the Bees or the film review, whatever you'd like to well, do.
0: Well, let's, let's go to Attack of the Bees.
1: Yes, I'll cue the music.